connecting like Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Christian Woman in the UK for yet again another wonderful Thursday night book time with the beautiful founder of uh, Christian Woman in the UK, the beautiful Sedoni, and Hello. her sidekick and rebel with a cause, the beautiful Naum, and of course, the wonderful, fantastic, brilliant Giselle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're the gruesome. So modest. Oh, the modesty is just the gruesome, ah. gruesome. <laughs> just makes me want to drink this uh, lemongrass tea. I, I how much that's down. tea. Yeah, yeah, that's tea. Yeah, that's what she tells us. Yes. It's good to be back with you all, folks. I know I've been missing for a couple of weeks, but I'd better offers. But tonight I'm back, and <laughs> and tonight we're continuing looking at our Woman of the Bible series, and tonight we're talking about. We're into E in the Bible, and Negum and I talked about S, or sorry, Elizabeth before Christmas. And many months ago, the three of us spoke about Esther. So tonight we've skipped to Judea and sent the cheat. Her name is pronounced Sint but I think it's better since the cheat. <laughs> and there's not much about these ladies in uh, in the scriptures, even there's one verse about them. Where Paul yeah. tells and you're us, taking sides in a dispute that you don't even know about. Exactly, exactly. And Paul just tells them to get over themselves. But in our Woman of the Bible book that we are following, brilliant book, there's what like two paragraphs on it, and I'll blabber mm -hmm. on with it. And it says, you know, Udian Syndicate, uh, scripture reference to them is in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. And in chapter 4 and verse 2, all Paul says is that um, about them is, and now I want to plead with those two women, Udia and Syndicate, please, because you belong to the Lord, settled your disagreement so they were having a big argument about something weren't they and in mm. our book it says their role in scripture and it's written here in this book it's ironic these two women in the church of philippi had a hard time getting along yet they are forever bound together in paul's letter to the philippians as in our thoughts what was the disagreement that divided them what triggered the hard feelings why didn't the two deal with the problem and work towards reconciliation? They were both believers and they were both well known in the Philippian church, but something had driven a wedge between them and destroyed the love and harmony that is the mark of Jesus' living presence in his church. And you can see, you can read about that in John chapter 13, mm -hmm. verse 34 and 35. And then the book goes on to say, we cannot answer these questions about the dispute that divided these two women. But Paul's mention of their dispute is a warning to us. Although we are saints, we remain sinners. We are each vulnerable to the passions that stir in our sin nature. It takes constant resilience, sorry, it takes constant reliance on God's grace and unfailing love for one another to maintain that unity and the spirit that marks Christ's brethren. 
That's it. It's wow. not a lot of white them, but it, but there is a lot of beef in it as well, isn't there? Mm. Don't speculate what there are. It's serious. You know, if 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 it was the type of church we we had a potluck dinner some months, maybe somebody preferred somebody's chicken curry to the other one, and they got or <laughs> into a dispute over that. You know, mm. The way silly things we do, but it shows you that. The troubles and the trials and tribulations we're having within the church today is nothing new to the new church. No, no. And we should be looking at the Bible and mm. how they get over it and ourselves work on that and get over our silly little trials and tribulations. Good. Mm. What's what yeah. say you to do I? I mean, yeah, it's just the fact that Paul actually calls them out. It means that whatever disagreement they were having was certainly having an impact on the church in Philippi. You know, the fact that he calls them by name and singles them out, it means that, you know, it was a disagreement of some magnitude and maybe it was even something that threatened the unity of the church. And, and it's perhaps also yes. just a warning to us that Sometimes you can go into churches and you see cliques forming and you see divides forming around maybe theology or doctrines or, or um, you know, preferences even. And, and that's, you know, this is, this is a warning that even though we are all the body of Christ, we should be aware of that which has the ability to, to, or the capacity to separate us, and which is even ultimately not that important because we, you know like like Paul says I give this to you of, of utmost importance that Christ died for your sins and say that's what should be of utmost importance but sometimes we get so caught up in our individual prideful stance on things that we don't even want to give way to the other people's perspectives and in, in doing so we then create a divide and, and I'm sure if Paul came into some of our churches today. He would probably <laughs> some of us out. And maybe this is just a reminder that if you are somebody within your church body that perhaps has some very strong views that are perhaps not as unifying as they should be. And maybe this is just a warning to say, set that aside. It, it's not that important compared to the unity of the church. Um, as long as it's not heretical or anything like that, it's not, you know, it's not that that important. And I think, you know, that's it's it's a real issue. That it's it's a real thing. Like Giselle said, it's it's something that was is not just isolated to the church back then. It's a real issue to the church yeah. today as well. Um, yeah. I mean, you hear stories of churches splitting up, right? So there are cases where, like you said, because of theological differences or mm -hmm. perhaps differences concerning the way the church should be run or whatever. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I've certainly heard stories where, you know, maybe two leaders can't agree and it mm -hmm. gets to a point where they, are, they just decide to separate. And some members of the church go with one leader and um, other members of the church go with another. 
So um, it says here that we are we're saints, right? But we're also sinners, and I think that's what it takes to 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 put to to to, to bring come to a resolution about these sort mm -hmm. of things is looking at yourself as a sinner. Which you know, if you feel you're right, it's not mm -hmm. always an easy thing to do. But I think <laughs> he says here, yeah, absolutely. Like you want to, you know, you just want to stand on your point. It says here. Um, I think he asked them to agree in the Lord. Um, I can't even see the reference here. But I love that because I think he's saying, take the focus off you guys, right? Mm -hmm. And look back at what really matters. Because, you know, sometimes like, yeah, you're right. You know, someone wants to, uh, people say it, that, you know, you don't always have to win every argument, right? I think somebody, mm -hmm. I don't know where I was listening to this, where the person said, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Because there are times <laughs> when you are genuinely right. But you just be like, you know what? I'll let this one pass. Mm. So I feel that this is kind of what Paul was saying. Like, look, look at the reason why you're even a church. Mm. And mm. if you focus on that, then those little, those things, they will pale in comparison and may eventually then, you may just like to put it down or at least come to a mental state where you can come to a resolution. Mm. So I think that's what we miss a lot of the time. It's perspective. It's oh. remembering why we are even Christians in the first place, right? Mm. Because if we talk about church disputes and you know some of them have been very public, people know about them. Mm -hmm. It comes down to person versus person. It's hardly mm. ever anything about Jesus, right? Except maybe something like the Reformation, which was this huge theological thing. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of say the churches that you hear split, it's always oh, this pastor wanna think this way, this other pastor wanna things this way. So it's usually person versus person rather than it's about Jesus. Because the minute you think it's about Jesus, you're gonna adjust your thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Because like the NIV versions puts it says, I plead with you with you, oh dear, and I plead with Cynthia to be of the same mind in the Lord. It's like what you're saying. Mm. Take the perspective of of your opinions and your perspective and your feelings, and work towards unity to be of the same mind in the Lord. Because ultimately, yeah, I think God is the source yourself, of truth. Yeah, exactly right. And ask yourself. And sometimes, I mean, you can take that anger to God, right? What if they had taken it in prayer to God, right, and just said, "Look, this is how I really feel. I'll leave this with you." How do you think I should react? Because there are times when you think you should react a certain way, but then God says to you, no, don't do that. And it looks very counterintuitive what God is telling you to do. But then mm. if you do that, it kind of softens, softens the other person's heart. Yeah. And you can come to that place. So I think it's it's really that. And remembering why, you know, what was the purpose of the church to begin with, right? If we're supposed to be this body, how is the hand going to work without the finger or this kind of, and this is hard. I'm not going to lie. If you have a point to make, it's it's not an easy place to come to. But like you said, for, for it to have come to Paul's attention, like he's somewhere else writing this letter. Mm -hmm. And I think I was reading some background information about this. It looks like the context in which Paul was writing was about joy. So if you're going to tell people about joy and there's this huge thing hanging in there, church right they're going to be like what do you mean by joy we have an issue here so mm. i think he's trying to explain to them how it can really be a thief of joy 
Mm. And I think also as well, people need to be aware that your conflicts and disagreements affect other people. It's never really about, it's it's not just you. You might, you know, for example, Ngum and I can can be having a a conflict um, between us, but then our friends and other people connected to us, our friends and family, are kind yeah. of put in awkward situations where they feel like they have to take sides. And so yeah. even though we're the ones yeah. that are having the disagreement, it, it will affect the wider body. So if, if you are having yes. a disagreement with somebody in the church, for example, a fellow brother or sister in the church, and you think, oh, yeah, I've only got beef with that person. I just need to settle my score with that person. It's not really just you and that person. It's, it affects every other person around you. Yeah. It affects the, the wider church family looking in yeah, because then it, it makes it awkward for other people. Relationships get strained. People start feeling like they have to pick sides and things like that. But, gee, I just, you know, obviously you, you, you're a pastor and, and you deal with this a lot. <laughs> I know just from speaking with you. <laughs> personally offline but um conflict it's it's something that we struggle with um as human beings and i think part of it is because god gave us free will and i think you know our free will means we want to exercise our will sometimes wrongfully over other people um we sort of think our free will is the right to oppress another person's opinion or stamp on somebody on somebody's opinion or perspective. But I think as a pastor, how would you advise either within the church or just within life in general this issue of conflict? Because it's it's something that we're never going to get away from as human beings this side of heaven. I people will tell you within the pearls of group. And you even, I've seen it too, Sidonia and Naum, even with Christian women in the UK. I don't take any nonsense from people. Number one. Yeah, I won't have this Number one tip of conflict resolution. Exactly. I will not have this come into the ministry. I really won't, because the minute you get one little seed of discord coming in, it pops. It's like a cancer. It'll just grab hold of everybody and just go through everything. So as soon as I see or hear something happening, I mm. nip it in the bud right away. Mm. I will take that person or persons to one side mm. and speak mm. with them. Mm. And, uh, depending what it is, you know, whether I'm very nice with them or I'm very harsh with them. Mm. But they know that even when I'm harsh with them, that it's with love and it's because of concern for them and for other people. Mm. But I think really that a lot of churches should nip things in the bud. They're letting them go too too long before mm-hmm. they actually try to do something about it. And okay, yes, uh, my church is a, still a very small congregation, which I'm glad for that because mm-hmm. I can buy on people. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, okay, so within larger churches, what do you think? they could perhaps, leaders of those churches could perhaps do? Because I know, you know, we're, I think, what are we now, 3,300, 3,400 members? 3,400, 3.6. Yes. So we're 3,400 members. I'm acutely aware that we have some leaders and deacons and even some some pastors within our midst. And so for those that perhaps have a a medium-sized 
congregation, how would you encourage them? What steps do you think they can perhaps put in place to to be able to identify these sorts of issues before they take root? The, the deacons and the elders should be doing their job in this case. Right, okay. And the, the deacons are supposed to, you know, biblically, something's going wrong in the church. Mm. If they would see something going on in the church, he's supposed to go under the deacons and talk mm -hmm. to them. If mm. they can't sort it out, they'll go to the elders. And if the elders can't, they'll go to the pastor. Yeah. That's, the way, that's the way it should be done. I think today too many people in too many congregations are turning a blind eye. They're not wanting to offend people. Okay. They're not wanting to upset people. Mm. And yes, a lot of churches, a lot of church leaders aren't nipping in the things in the bud because they would rather have bums and seats and money in the collection tray rather mm -hmm. than have harmony amongst the... the, the, the right. uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I think, like you, you're saying, you know, we, they need more, like the deacons need to be doing, they need more grassroots intervention as opposed to waiting for the pastors yep. to sort everything out. They need people exactly. there, feet on the ground, so to speak, to be able yep. to, to yep. do exactly. that. Yeah. And, pa and pastors... Let the deacons and elders have that control to do that because that's their job. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a good one. That's what they're yeah. supposed to do. Too many pastors are, you know, oh, I'll do, it all. I'll do it all. I'll do mm -hmm. it all. And they can't do it all. So, uh, somebody might turn around and say, Sharon might turn around and say something like, something like you, oh, but yourself, you're, 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 you're the boss of Pearls of Grace. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's because we're a small thing. But mm -hmm. if, if, if Pearls of Grace or I was the main pastor of 3,000.4 women or men mm -hmm. and women, I would pass it over to other people to be able to do it for me. Yes, yeah. No, that's that's a very good, I think that's a very good point you make actually for, for pastors to be able to um, delegate and let go of that control. Because again, that is a, that's a, that's a, prideful thing that's a, a, a flesh thing isn't it wanting to keep hold of that control and not wanting to let go um it's a very flesh fleshly inclination mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my church it's my pastor you know it's i'm actually glad church. you mentioned yeah mm -hmm. go on yeah i'm actually glad you mentioned this because i don't know how many people know this church organigram for want mm -hmm. of a better expression i didn't i mean I come from a Catholic background where, did we even have deacons? We did, but in a, Catholic deacons are kind of different. Catholic deacons are, they're like mini priests, if you like, mm. right? You become a deacon before you become a priest. Mm. So the way Protestants look at deacons is kind of different, different from the Catholic yeah. deacons. But I, I just knew that a deacon is like some key person in the church. I never quite knew what they did. My friend's mm. husband is a deacon in their church. I don't know if he still is. But I remember her telling me, like, her husband is a deacon of this Baptist church. I was like, oh, wow, cool. He must be doing something. I don't know. I didn't even really bother to ask what the details of this job is. That's why I was saved anyway. But it's nice for people to know what deacons do, right? Mm. Because I think if somebody went into a church and they didn't even understand, mm. I think sometimes these conflicts can even go to the point that they go to because people don't know where to take issues to yeah, and I think many people's instinct is to go to the pastors mm. or if they know that they have like a group of elders or the church mm. board as they're mm. called sometimes so I, I think that it's also a nice thing if you're a church leader listening or you are we're all members of some congregation or the other it's mm. worth taking it to you know 
your church and saying, okay, I've been coming to this church for this long. Like, what's the organization here? Because you don't mm. always know, mm. you know, like who is who. If I have this issue, where do I go? Let mm. me just understand what, what, you know, the sort of order is. Mm-hmm. Because when people know that, then I don't know, if somebody does something to you, then you feel like, okay, you need a third party to intervene. You're going to elder so-so-and-so. You're going to deacon, whoever. And then, yeah, that chain of chain of command is not the best word that I want to use here, but you understand that? Um, Hi, that level of order. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It helps to know. Because like Giselle said, things, only very serious things to go to the pastor, to be honest, you know. If two yeah. people are arguing over, I don't know, who cooked what on some yeah. church faith, come on. Like, so the pastor really <laughs> needs to know that. Give that to, I don't know, head of women's yeah. ministry or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. you see, you're saying too that's the, the head of the women's ministry or whatever. That's another very good point. In a large congregation, there should be a lot more women in leadership because mm-hmm. there's a lot of women that have been hurt by men, and there's a lot of men being hurt by women. Mm. And within a congregation, not every woman's going to go up to a male deacon or a male elder and mm. spill out their heart too, but they mm. will speak to a woman. Mm. So we see lots more women in leadership roles. Mm. And, we're, and, we're... And, and if if you perhaps are, like you say, if you are in a male-led church as a woman, who is particularly maybe not comfortable or um, confident to approach a male leader to voice your concerns and or grievances, then, you know, that can just sit there and fester. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what sometimes pastor's wives unfortunately get roped into these roles mm-hmm. because it's not everyone's thing, right? You know, I personally don't believe that God necessarily calls couples into ministry. No, it may be the case, why. it may not be, you know, yeah, but you know, it's almost, I think it's even cultural, <laughs> right? Yeah. You see it a lot in Africa. You see it a lot, yeah. I think in Africa and America, I don't know why, but you have like, in Africa, it's a whole thing, guys. It's really it a whole is. thing. But it's almost like if you're married to a pastor, you're automatically, you're called. If he, if, 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 like if one house is called, is that the other marriage one is, is an ordination? Board. Yeah, mm-hmm. marriage is a form of ordination almost. And yes, I can see how, as a pastor's wife, obviously you would support your husband, right? Because yes. all good wives do that. I mean, if your husband is a doctor, you know, I know somebody who's married to a doctor. You have to be very devoted to be married to a doctor. Trust me, mm-hmm. it's almost the same level as being married to a pastor in so many mm-hmm. ways. So I think that support needs to be there. But the pastor's wife doesn't necessarily. I don't think would have the skills to be, mm. let's say, like what we're talking about, you have a male church, you have women there who have issues, they don't feel comfortable talking to the husband, they may or may not feel comfortable talking to the wife. And some women will quite happily slide into that role, right? And they will mm. do their best in it. But other women may just think, they may not even have the skill, they may have the will, but not mm. necessarily the gift. So you're right, Jesus. I think churches have to have to look at this because again we come back to this thing of what does leadership in church look like right you will hear a lot of people say and you have some of these conservative christians who feel like no women shouldn't women Mm. shouldn't need you know there's Mm. the whole 
women shouldn't preach thing, but there are, I mean, sometimes I hear some of these conservative Christians and they don't want to know. There's no room for nuances or anything. Mm. But given that a lot of churches, the state of the church today is predominantly female, mm. if we're honest. I mean, I heard something like in the UK, there's six women to one man mm-hmm. in the church, which That's has it. implications, guys, for marriage, which we'll talk about another day. Six women to... <laughs> And they want you to marry only a believer, but that's a topic for another day. But I feel that given these situations, we have to react to the reality of what we're dealing with in today's church. So, yes, there is. And as you you said, Neil, because a couple, a married couple, the pastor doesn't mean the wife. Is uh, has to be in ministry as well. Independent. I was in ministry. God gave me the ministry before I met Michael. And mm-hmm. uh, when Michael came along, bless him, he tried his best to do you know, get into the ministry. But he's not called to the ministry. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't do anything. Well, it's not that he doesn't do anything. He does a lot. He supports me spiritually. He supports me every which way he honestly can. But he's not the type of person to go out there in the streets the way I do and talk to everybody and mm-hmm. preach in the streets and everything. So he's mm-hmm. not called the ministry. So no, not every married couple is called to do the same ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. really important. And maybe one day we'll talk about that because sometimes I think people almost feel obliged. Mm-hmm. Like if your partner is called to something, you, you've got to be called to that thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen in the secular world. It doesn't happen even in spiritual things. And I think it's really, like you said, G, I think it's because we limit what ministry means, right? Mm. Ministry is service, mm. full stop. And mm. you are still in ministry, even if you're not in a church. In fact, I would say that some of the most powerful ministries, we don't even know about them mm. because stuff is happening behind the scenes. I even think, and this is just me, but the work that some secular organizations do is mm. nothing short of ministry. I think oh, they're, wow. they're a ministry without knowing that they're a ministry because mm-hmm. they do really, if you see some of these groups that work with like women on the streets, you know, people in drugs and so on, people do extremely powerful work, which I feel is still blessed by God, even if they don't call themselves a Christian organization. So I think it's giving value to what people do. Okay, Michael may not come out on the streets with you, but he's there praying for you. I mean, intercession mm-hmm. is one of the most powerful things. Mm. No, so, and the intercessor yeah. is usually behind the scenes, right? No one sees them, but guys, people have stopped wars in countries just by quietly interceding. So I think when we learn to respect each other's gifts and not only focus on the gifts that are very in your face, you know, you're on, on the pulpit with your mic, you mm-hmm. know, or, you know, you're on the street, evangel- like those, the very vis- visible things are great. Mm. But I tell you, it's like a movie. You know, some yeah, of the I'm just gonna read some. Can, you don't even know the director. I'm just gonna read some comments from some of the ladies online. We have um, one of our sisters here, Charlotte says, My mom always says there's too many chiefs, <laughs> so that's where she means too many chiefs are not enough um subjects because everybody just wants to, yeah. to be a leader and be be heard and be right. Um, and she then says, Can I ask your advice then, ladies, on going to the pastors of the church? My church is now saying there isn't a designated pastor. Uh, okay, so I'm not quite sure what she means there, but I think she means if there isn't um, a designated pastor for certain issues, 
is it okay to just go to the pastor um, of the church? I think if you're not sure, I mean, you know, you ladies feel free to, to come in. But I think if you're not sure, ask. I think like G has quite rightly explained to us what the hierarchy should be. But if you have an issue um, and you think this is, and you've prayed about it and, you know, because I'll be honest, sometimes I've, I've got issues within my own church family and I pray about it. And then God is like, really, are you going to get hung up on that? Or are you really going to fall out <laughs> with somebody over that? Or are you really going to call somebody up on that? And, you know, a week later, by the time the next Sunday rolls along, and it is no coincidence that Sabbath is one in seven days, okay? Because God really does give us time to get over our own emotions. Yeah. So usually by the time the next Sabbath run term comes around, I'm kind of like, you know what? It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. I'll just see you, I'll hug you, I'll pray with you, and life goes on. Whereas maybe a week ago, that was not the feeling. But when you've had a week of meditating and praying over it and wrestling with it, um, you know, by the time seven days comes along, God has convicted you one way or the other. And he'll be like, no, you really should bring this up with this person in such and such a manner. Or yeah. it really isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. So just let it go. Mm. Um, so, but if you're not sure, if you've prayed over it and you still feel like this is something that you want to raise to um, the membership and you're not sure the leadership who to go to, I think maybe just ask, just approach somebody um, yeah. senior in the church and say, look, I've got an issue about, I don't know, um, leadership or serving or or perhaps what you heard in the message or whatever it was and just say, who would be the best person to speak to about this? And I think yeah. most churches, I want to assume, um, would would um, give you the time of the day and tell you yeah. where rightly where to go to. Yeah, mm. they should. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so it says there's another question here. So sometimes our elders will take over our sermon, but as you mentioned, Sharon, he's um, younger than myself. So yeah, there's. I think sometimes she, what she's alluding to there is maybe sometimes the members don't feel heard um, and then, you know, the pastors kind of take it over and, and maybe it is something for leaders to be mindful of that, you know, your members have, have a voice and yeah. maybe give them that forum to voice whatever concerns concerns they may have. But just on a more practical level, actually, ladies, whilst we're thinking about this, because conflict is not just only within the church conflict is in everyday life we live and breathe conflict now there's some people that are just nest just by nature naturally avoidant <laughs> they avoid conflicts they just, and there's some other people that mm. run towards conflict some oh, people yeah. actually live for it oh yeah and, um, and, don't forget, and don't forget the agitators come on there's agitators yes. as well yes. uh, yep. there's other people that don't necessarily start it they necessarily walk away from it but they just stand on the sidelines mm. egging everybody on yep. um, and I think you know where would you what advice would you give to maybe maybe choose one camp of people each um because I know we're sort of we're, we're running out of time but um if I start with you, choose one camp to advise, and then maybe you can choose another camp to advise. Um, just on a regular everyday life application level, how they can perhaps um, walk a bit closer with with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Avoid conflict, full stop. Okay, so who, which ones? Are you, which group are you speaking to? 
uh, all of them really to be honest with you okay yeah the ones who you because there there are some people who can't wait for trouble to come to their door they go out down into town and drag it to their door um don't do that don't 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 do that all. Wait till it comes to your door. And if you see it coming far away, then start praying about it and, and ward it off. Don't 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 let it come to your door. Then engage. Yes. Don't, don't you don't yeah. What what's the old analogy that yeah, you, you have to choose your battles wisely to fight the oh, big yeah. wars or something like that. So you don't Not have to fight with every battle that comes along. No, you, you, you need to learn to choose wisely. And be able mm. to just and walk away. That's mm. it. Because that's, that's you, great advice. So this is for people that <laughs> can't wait for them, trouble to come to them. All of them. All of them. Yeah. Those who want the trouble, those who don't want the trouble, and they agitators, you know, just don't. Have the good sense. Have the good sense to choose your battles wisely. Apply wisdom. Absolutely. And um, as, as, okay. as the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You, you have not because you ask not. Come on. Mm, you're, you're, yeah. you're supposed to ask God exactly. for wisdom, aren't you? Yes. And that's really great advice. Mm. Gum, what advice would you give on a practical daily yeah. application every day for either all the camps or just one particular camp? Mm. Actually, for... let's before we do this, actually, what camp would you put yourself in? I think I'm actually, how can I put this? I'm somebody who doesn't actually like conflict. I'm actually an avoider of conflict. Okay. Let me back up to G. G, what camp are you in? I walk away. Okay. So what yeah. so it comes to you, but you walk away. So you're avoidant yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I just put the hands up, you know, face I'm the kind, yeah. No. I think I'm the kind of person who wouldn't really start a conflict, right? So my natural inclination would be to not even go there. But if it met me. I would deal you with would it. Finish it. <laughs> yes. yes. So it's one of those things, and I can go to the other extreme. <laughs> That's mm. the thing. Because like, yeah, if it made me and it made me in a bad way, then it could be like a flip. So I think the most important thing is for us to kind of know your personality more, mm. and then know why you do the things you do. So, for example, Giselle, you were saying about there are people who are like, yes, the slightest thing they want to fight. There's mm -hmm. always a reason for that. There is yes. always, always a reason. It could be that maybe you grew up in a home where you always had to fight for attention mm -hmm. or to fight to get things done and you just don't know when to stop fighting. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes this is why it helps to get advice, right? Help from somebody in the church that you trust if you're yep. a Christian or even in a secular place, a good counselor. Because when you begin to unpack why you do the things, how many of us actually come out of something and think, why did I react like that? I don't know, I'm not that reflective. Because if you begin to understand yourself like that, then you will, it, it helps you change your behavior. You, you, you mm. become more self-aware. And mm. the same thing for people who avoid conflict. Sometimes it's good to actually stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the problem with being an avoidant is also that you can get perceived as weak. Mm. And so people target you because they know that, hey, no matter what they do to you, you will let it slide. So mm. you have to also ask yourself, why are you avoidant? A lot of people are avoidant because they've learned that from their parents. Mm. You know, you yeah. saw maybe your dad, every time your mom said something, he just walked away, you mm. know, and then you learn that this is what you do. You just walk away for peace. Walking away doesn't always give you peace. So there are times when it's actually good to confront that person and confrontation doesn't have to be aggressive. 
So mm. even just say to, and you'll be amazed how people will back off. I know because mm. I've done this, where you leave, you just call somebody and you say, look, X, Y, or Z that you did didn't really go down well with me. I don't like it. Majority of people will actually step back. Yeah. Because a lot of the time people don't mean to hurt you. Mm. And if you if you say something to them, it's only people who are prideful or have issues that will argue. So for example, let's say somebody called you a name, they thought it was funny, but you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And you say to somebody, look, I didn't really appreciate that. Majority of people will be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you, off- you were offended. I'll never mm-hmm. say that again. But other people will be like, oh, can't you take a joke? That's the person you're thinking. This person is clearly telling you that this isn't funny. Mm-hmm. It may be funny to you, but it's not funny to them. Why are you insistent on them doing yeah. what you want? And so there are many ways. That's the time when you have to decide. Do I want to keep struggling with this person? Sometimes you just need to ultimately walk away and just say, you know what? I can't deal with you. It's what it is. Mm, and yeah. you just leave that person and then go and work on those emotions so that mm. you get to a point where you say, I don't hate this person, but you know what? Mm-hmm. They're just not my person. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. So yeah, it's just different situations or different you know, reactions. Right. Okay. That's interesting. No, thank you, ladies. It's, yeah, it's been a wonderful conversation from what we, what we thought was, yeah. Averse, yeah. really, yeah. these ladies. And yes, they've, they've, they've opened yeah. up the, the I world. I wonder if they ever made up. <laughs> I'm sure, well, I want to, to trust that they heeded Paul's advice. Because if Paul called me out in the Bible, I would listen. <laughs> so I want to trust that they heeded his advice and made up or... Even if they didn't agree, they agreed to disagree, which can sometimes be that's yeah. a resolution. And that that's can be... in itself is a great resolution. And we forget yeah. that people always think yeah. you must see things from a perspective. Because didn't yeah. Paul himself like have a, a disagreement with was it Matthias or somebody? And I think they kind of came to that point. They agreed to disagree. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. a resolution in itself, and it is something yeah. where you know, as, yeah. as long as you can live peacefully together and not cause discord, yeah. not drag every other person into yes. your argument or your beef then yeah you know exactly. i think for me personally that's where we should be but i think ultimately we should personally you know if if i'm offended or i've got an issue i i'm very much like Ngum, I, you know like Ngum said, i'm self-aware i want to reflect and think what was the motive was it intended to cause offense um and if it if it was and i go why did i react or why am i feeling the way i'm feeling is it a me thing or is it a them thing? Because if it's, it's a me very thing, much like that, I'm just I, like, what? <laughs> I don't care I know. what your intentions was. You helped me. You need to stop. <laughs> but I think for, for personally, that helps. Just trying to work it out, which it means I'm probably it. not. A... <laughs> it's like no. Between personalities, that doesn't. I'm more of an impact over intention person. I can say to you, I understand your intention. I'm mm. telling you, this is the impact on me, and I don't like this impact. See, it's easier for me to to forgive if I think the intention was not to hurt. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. For me too. Yeah, but because I, I think I, I think you. I think the heart is is a very, you know, like the Bible says, the heart of man is just so wicked, and I think the heart is a very deep, deceitful place where you can. If, if your intention is to hurt, then I know you will do that again. If your intention yeah. was not to hurt, then I know 
yes that's just a surface thing we need to deal with and that's a different conversation i can kind of let that's that go true. we can address it differently but if if you're intending to cause hurt then that's, no, that's, that's where that's where thing. i'm like you know but um but yeah no it's 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 interesting that these these women have brought these conflicts and i yeah. think you know we need to start by understanding our personalities and then maybe examining why we are feeling the way we're feeling maybe speak to people but ultimately not to let that disunity within the body of christ come to the fore and um break up the church but it's been a lovely conversation um thank you everybody for joining in and listening thank you for all the lovely comments that we've had um uh on the chat because it's been very busy so we're really grateful to everybody that's sent comments in sharon charlotte thank you ladies so much thank Um, you ladies Shall we just pray before we say goodnight? Yes, sure. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for another Thursday night where technology didn't fail us um, and you kept us alive to be able to see this um, Thursday and have this lovely conversation. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to to tame our passions, the passions of our flesh and, and the willfulness of our hearts. Help us to turn it over to you, Lord, knowing, Lord, that you can help us tame those fires within us um, that sometimes just want us to react um, suddenly rather than reflect before reacting or praying before reacting. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to not be those that cause discord and disunity within the church and disagree with other members. Help us to be those that always seek resolution and with other brothers and sisters in the church to be of the same mind in the Lord um, because you, O oh Lord, said it, that by your, by our love, others will know that we are yours. So help us to show that love openly. And we know, Lord, that we are sinners and we know we're going to offend one another. But help us, Lord, to always, always be humble. Help us to always seek to forgive and resolve issues, Lord, first and foremost, because we know that we ourselves have been forgiven so much. Um, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the grace to know you, for forgiveness um, that we don't even deserve. Help us to extend that same grace to others that perhaps disagree with us or offend us. Um, And help us, Lord, to be humble enough to know we don't know everything. And there is a chance, however slim or however big, that we might be wrong in whatever view we hold, because ultimately only you, Lord, know and see everything. We only see a glimpse of the present, not even the future. Um, but help us to all trust and lean on you, knowing that you, Lord, see the bigger picture and you see eternity. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy that we enjoy but sometimes take for granted. We ask, Lord, that you would keep us safe and healthy for another week until we come again next Thursday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you very much for the prayer, Sidney. That was Thank you. Thank Thank you, everybody. Good night, Thank you, everybody. everybody. Thank you. Hey, maybe Sinti and you are their best friends in heaven now, guys. Who knows? We might get to find <laughs> out when we get to heaven. We will find out. <laughs> Good night, yeah, everyone. Look for them, two ladies. I'm looking for you. Have you made up yet? Let's go to the bar and get a drink. Night, everybody. Night. Bye.